Hey folks, thanks for checking out Missio Church in Manor, Iowa. You are listening to audio recorded at our Sunday morning service. If you'd like any more information on the gospel or would like to learn more about Missio Church, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Missio Mount Air. Well, this morning we are in our gathering time. We're celebrating the intentional community God has gifted his people with in the local expression of, of the local church. And so as an intentionally gathered community, a natural question occurs, um, what are we gathered for? Like what is the point, what is the central driving focus of who we are as a gathered community? How, what is, is, is it big and dense enough to drive uh, this sort of community? So the question like this is important because every community has to answer this question. They have to answer, what are we, what is our organizing principle? What is the thing that we are gathered for? Um, gathering for the sake of gathering is a very weak reason to gather. That begins to fade, that begins to wear out. It is not, it is, it's like unity for unity's sake. Well, if there's nothing that you're really unified for, there's nothing really big enough and cohesive enough to keep the unity. It needs, there needs to be some big idea, some big central focus that actually produces unity, that actually produces community. And we want to address this question a little bit because in, in our world today, um, with our modern culture, and that we have this new phrase, online community, which is a, is a bit of an oxymoron. It doesn't really, like online, the idea of community, of being together and then being online, it, it, they kind of don't really work together. But we're real big into all sorts of communities. Everyone's building a community. And, and what, what is the reason behind it? You can find communities um, I mean, I don't want to go into, we could be here forever talking about the weird reasons you could find to make community over, but over certain sports teams or over certain positions, over certain sports, over certain athletes. If you like music, you can find a community for a certain genre of music or a certain band or even a certain musical artist or maybe even a certain instrument. There, the opportunities for community, especially online community in our world today, are vast. They can be found and, and they, can, they can be essentially um, around nothing other than just like some weird isolated reality. So what about the church? Are we a community just gathered around, well, you all had nothing else to do on a Sunday morning, I guess, so we got together? Or, or, or what, is, what is the driving heartbeat of who we are? Well, in the text that we read this morning, the first Peter text, Looking at it just first, uh, briefly here, there is a description of what it is that we are to be about as a gathered people. There, verse 9, there are several descriptors given of the church. Peter writing to the, the church, the dispersion there that in, uh, throughout this region. But he's writing to the church, and he says to the church, to Christians universally, you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. So there are four kind of descriptors there of what the people of God are. They are a chosen race. They are a specific people group, not 
ethnically a race, but a chosen people of a, of a specific worldview. When it comes to the Bible's definition of a people group, it is more than just ethnicity. It's also the way you view the world, your culture, your outlook, all of these sorts of things. We are a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood. There's something majestic about we have a king. We are a holy nation. We are a people for his own possession. We are his. So those are descriptors of the church. But then we ask, okay, why? Why are we, what is the gathering principle going on in that sentence that you, those who are this chosen race, the royal priest of the holy nation, appeal for his own possession? Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you were not, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This passage, this, that the phrase there of out of darkness into light makes me immediately think of a passage like Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, um, verses 9 through 14. Paul writing to the church at Colossae says, And so, from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. How has he done this? He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What is the excellency that we are to be proclaiming? What is this being brought out of darkness into light that we are to be about? It is this gospel good news that there is this son, Jesus Christ, that through him, in him, we have redemption, specifically the forgiveness of our sins. There is a redemption brought about by Jesus Christ accomplishing the forgiveness of our sins. And this is the heartbeat of God's people. This is the central location of what we affirm and hold to that then draws us together as God's people. This reality that our good God who made everything who is holy and righteous and perfect and deserves all of our praise for all of eternity, we all of humanity fell and rebelled against him. We turned our back on him. We marched away from him and sit justly under his wrath. Yet God in his mercy, you were once people who had not received mercy, right? But now you have received mercy. God in his grace and his mercy sends his son. Jesus puts on flesh, comes to earth, lives the righteous life we should have lived, dies the death that we deserve, resurrects from the dead in victory over death and hell itself, ascends to the Father's right hand so that everyone hearing this gospel good news, turning from their sins and trusting in Jesus can be transferred, will be transferred, is transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light according to his grace and his mercy, according to his eternal purposes, 
God sends a Savior to rescue his people from his own wrath. This is the mission that God has been on from the beginning to make a people for himself, for his own glory, for their joy in him. So that's why Paul says it in the Philippians passage that we had read for us this morning as well. That we should be striving side by side. You can hear Paul's same kind of language as the Colossian passage. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, that I may hear of you. What are we doing? What is the church to be doing? Standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Not frightened at anything by your opponents. It's a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that for God, from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I have. This is why we are striving side by side together for the gospel. It is the central issue and the foundational bedrock of who we are. That Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And as Paul says, we take up his language as well, of whom I am foremost. And we are here to rejoice in this good news. That our loving God sent his son to perform this atoning work to save a people for himself. And this is a gospel message that not only do we want to rejoice in, that's what we gather for is to rejoice in who God is and all he's done for us. But as a community, it's also a gospel message we want the world to hear. We want everyone, our mission statement, right? Why do we exist? To glorify God, to praise his name, by equipping all of God's people to worship him, you could say enjoy him, for with all of their lives, and to give every man, woman, and child repeated opportunities to hear and to respond to this gospel. God has been at work redeeming a people for himself. And that crowning moment was the rescue achieved in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we are about anything, if we are about anything, we must be about this community enjoyment of this gospel and spreading of this gospel in our community. The gospel is the front door into the church. To hear the gospel and to respond to it with repentance and faith is to be brought into a community, a family, a family centered and founded upon Christ, his righteousness, his work for us, his salvation of his people for our eternal joy in him. Let's pray. Father, as we continue our service, we just want to remember and rejoice in this good news. God, may it never become uh, the boring old story for us, but may it ever be new and fresh and enlivening to us, God, that by your grace and your mercy, as Jim has already said this morning, by no works of our own, but purely by your grace and your mercy, you rescued a people for yourself, that you might receive all of the glory and that in that your people would receive all the joy in being yours. So, Father... Help us this morning as we go through the rest of this service to remember the gospel, to sink our hearts deep into the joy and the peace and the comfort that is found there and truly there alone. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, good morning. It is good to see all of you here this morning, and uh, we also have like 75% of our church out sick, so, <laughs> so we, 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 uh, it's that time of year where we're 75 one day, we're 30 the next, and we all suffer the consequences. <laughs> uh, but this is, this is a great day uh, because the Lord made it, and we can rejoice and be glad in it. And this is a day that, that we are, in a sense, looking back and looking forward. We're looking back because we're reminded that God is doing something. God has been doing something in human history, and we're a part of that. God has been doing something in Ringgold County for a long time, building his church. And he's been doing something in Missio for a while in conversations that Darren and I started to have 13, 14 years ago when we started to dream, what does God want for this place? What does it begin to look like when God gets what he wants? And at that time, I'll be honest, I'm not sure we knew we were going to plant a church when the, we had those first conversations on like at Grego's eating pizza you know, and then they moved to the pavilion and then they moved to our backyards and then phone calls. And then all of a sudden people started to get involved in the conversations. And this thing started to become something just about a year ago when a group of people came together that said, we want to be a part of what God is doing. We don't want to be an isolated thing unto ourselves, but we recognize God has been doing something amazing in the past. He's, the, the story of history is God's story that is built on Jesus Christ and the gospel message, which is why we want to be a church that is built, as Darren said, on Jesus Christ and on his gospel. And we believe that who he is and what he's done and the word that he's revealed is something that forever changes the trajectory of a life. And it forever changes the trajectory of a community that is built on that. Our deepest hope is that we are not just a Sunday morning service. That we are not just a collection of programs that we attend with other individuals. But our deepest desire is that we really grow by the power of the Spirit as He as He shapes us in our hearts and in our activities to be the people of God right here in Ringgold County and wherever God allows us to do that. Which means that first, our confession in the midst of the world is different. It's what Darren just talked about. Our confession is Jesus is God and our Savior and our rock and our hope forever. We bow the knee to no one else but Jesus. Number two, we believe that this is the inspired word of God, that it does not, that, that, that it does not change to us, that it does not change to culture, but we change to it. As this is the revealed truth of God to us. How gracious is our God. How gracious that he saves us. How gracious that he makes himself known. How gracious that he reveals his heart to us. That's good news, right? So therefore, we want to be a church community that is forever changed and being changed by the truth of scriptures. 
that that is the story we desire to tell. Number two, it we want to be a community that is no longer wanting to just be conformed and look like the rest of the world around us. We don't, we want to, as Colossians says, put to death the old self, which is rooted in selfishness and hardship and anger and malice. I mean, I don't think we need to sell each other too much on how jacked up our world is that is built on such things. But we instead, because we are a people of God, been saved by His grace, that, that we desire to put on then the new life that has been given to us. So therefore, we want to be a community that stands on Christ, is built on Christ and His gospel message, and to be a community because of that that's distinct in the world. That may what mark us as a church, because we are chosen and holy and beloved, that when we engage as a community, that we are compassionate with one another from the heart, that we are kind, that we are humble in our posture towards one another and the world, that we are meek, not timid, but meek, under control, the power of God in us under control with prudence and wisdom, that we are patient in this life. May our community be a, a community that grows in forgiveness because we have been forgiven much. Here's what I'm going to promise you. I'm probably going to screw up a lot when we're a, in, in a community together. If you've known me for any period of time, I have probably screwed up. And here's what I need from you. Grace and mercy. May we be a community in our families, in our relationships, that forgives as freely as we have been forgiven. And above all these, I think it's vastly critical that, we, that Paul writes these words inspired by the Spirit. Above it all, put on love. Be a genuine, loving community. That we would not be a collection of people that attend a program, but that we would be a community of people built on the love of God and therefore desire to love others with that same love. May that be a flare in the world, the fragrance of Christ wherever we go. And here's what we know. That's hard sometimes. And it's messy. One thing that I can promise you, Missio will never be an unmessy place. And if we ever do become an unmessy place, we have problems. I've been in unmessy churches that are really clean and nice and everything is shiny and no lives are being transformed. And it's possible, it's possible the Spirit of God left that church a long time ago. May we never be that kind of church. Does that make sense? But that we would be a community of people that, is in, that, that, that binds together in harmony because of the gospel. That we allow the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts. That we know that we're one body. That the word of Christ would dwell within us richly. And it would affect how we speak to one another. 
that we speak the word of God to each other. We speak the truths of God to each other. We encourage one another out of love for one another. And oh, may this be true for us as a community of distinction. And whatever we do, in word or in deed, may we do everything, everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God, to our God and Father for him. And could it just be that if we can, we're not going to arrive at that perfectly. This is a journey. This is not about perfection. It's about faithfulness, right? It's about persevering faithfulness as we lock arms together. And some of us are going to fall. Some of us are going to hit difficult times. Some of us are going to hit moments of deep grief. And we're going to have a hard time seeing the hope of Christ in this life. We know it's there, but where that that's where we come together with one another and go, we're not shooting our wounded. We're helping our wounded. Because you know what? I'm going to be wounded soon. <laughs> and I'm going to need you to pick me up. Because this is what the gospel does in his people. This is what the gospel does. And what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 is that that is a fragrance of Christ to the world around us. That when they see us, when they interact with us, when they engage with us, when they hear us, when they see us, that it's a fragrance of Jesus. And we know that that is life to some, and it is the stench of death to others. But even in the midst of that, God's mission advances. Our job is not to produce the harvest. Our job is to be faithful in it, in our community, in our confession, in, our, in where our vision is locked, in our one-anothering, and how we love. Oh, may that be released in us and multiplied out from us that every nook and cranny of Ringgold County, every nook and cranny of Southwest Iowa, Iowa and beyond would have a congregation of people committed to being built on Christ and his word and to be a community of distinction because of it. Imagine what God will do when that happens. I'm excited to do that with you.